Welcome to Inside the Media Minds. This is your host, Christine Blake. This show features in-depth interviews with tech reporters who share everything from their biggest pet peeves to their favorite stories. From our studio at W2 Communications, let's go Inside the Media Minds. everyone. This is Christine Blake, the host of Inside the Media Minds, and I'm excited today to welcome Thomas Hobbs, freelance culture journalist. Hey, Thomas, thanks for joining us today. Hey, how you doing? So good. Thanks for coming on the podcast. We're excited to learn more about you. Yeah, no worries. It's my pleasure to be here for sure. Great. I was, we were just talking about it before we um, hit record, but this is going to be one of our, our first uh, reporters who covers a culture space. Um, typically, we have a lot of tech and cybersecurity focused reporters, so we're really excited to take this direction for this conversation today. Um, Thomas, can you give us a quick overview of your background and kind of the stuff that you cover? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I come from, um, yeah, quite a normal kind of working class background. Um, in the UK, um, I was kind of the first in my family to go to university and all of that kind of stuff. And I guess when I was growing up, like um, I'd know, like reading magazines and 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 reading interviews and reading reviews was kind of like my escapism. So it was something I always kind of wanted to do. Um, and I kind of progressed from there um, and uh, did broadcast journalism at university which wasn't really kind of what I want, wanted to go into but um, from that I um, started out as a kind of business um, reporter and writer and that that um, involved writing about everything from um, fruit and vegetable growers to <laughs> interviewing supermarket CEOs to writing about programmatic advertising but I guess you know, while um, those experiences I value because I felt like they um, really taught me how to like, um, you know, how to like do good research and how to investigate and how to ask good questions and all of those things. Um, I always, my dream was always to sort of, you know, interview um, my favorite musicians, my favorite film directors and all that kind of stuff. So while I was, um, while I was working those kind of full-time jobs, <clears throat> I was, um, also freelancing so I was literally like working nine to fives and then going going home and then working eating and then working seven till midnight like every day of the week I just I just wanted to make it happen and 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 slowly kind of built up um you know my name I guess like writing um you know pieces on everything from um you know underrated rock stars and singers to personal essays on um a kid's character in the uk called mr blobby and just slowly built up um a name and got to a point i guess where i could go um full freelance and 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 yeah since then i've kind of been primarily i guess writing about all the culture stuff i used to dream about writing so i'm really enjoying it but yeah still do the odd business thing as well that's amazing so it's really it really started with the things that you are topics that you were passionate about and thought would be interesting to write about. And then you're able to turn that into actually freelance writing for publications. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And just, um, yeah, I mean, I I remember when I was a kid, um, I was kind of obsessed with, um, Tupac's music. And I remember, um, (laughs) for in my year seven project, like doing this, like we had to like do a fake news story and it was, um, and I did mine on like him coming back from the dead and really being alive. And I remember, and I remember then it was like um, 15 years later, like I was writing about Tupac for the guardian. So it was kind of, it all sort of 
all sort of went full circle for sure. I love that. So you've written for, I know, I know we've read some of your articles mm. and billboard and, and vice, but also guardian, um, telegraph, right. Any, any others that you, what do you frequently write for the most? Do you think? Um, uh, to be honest with you, like I'm, I'm really trying to like work with different editors and, mm-hmm. um, learn how to write for different audiences and, 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 um, yeah, trying to like push myself and write for as many different titles as possible. But the titles you mentioned, um, as well as places like um, the BBC, mm-hmm. Independent, New Statesman, Dazed, um, the Financial Times. So yeah, just tr- trying to um, trying to push myself, and I guess continuously um, try and work with different places. I think it's good working with the same editors and stuff, but um, I'm always trying to like trying to like work for new places too, because I just think you learn something new from each experience and, mm-hmm. and grow grow as a writer. And sometimes maybe people stay in their comfort zone a bit too much. Yeah, absolutely. And then I'm always interested in talking to freelance reporters because it's a different mindset than being, you know, on staff at a publication. Mm. What do you kind of think the pros pros are of being a freelancer and why do you stick to that kind of a format? I guess the pros are you have a lot more creative freedom in many ways. Like I don't have to I don't know if I get in five minutes late to work I'm not going to have somebody like pissed off at me which mm-hmm. is a big plus but um I, I guess I just like the diversity of it I like the fact that um you know one week I could be writing about um uh the rise of satanic um satanic online satanic communities for uh, middle class housewives for mail magazine and (laughs) then the next day I could be writing about um Joan Crawford for the BBC and then I could be interviewing um uh, a gangster rapper from prison like Ofri Greed days and it's like that variety um I don't know you don't always get the chance for that variety when you're um, a staff writer and um you know I think often um I've kind of moved so fast. I don't take the time to just like savor it and enjoy it. And I think that variety is definitely something I really like. And just being your own boss is a, is a big mm-hmm. thing. You know what I mean? Totally. And just have, having that, um, having that kind of freedom. I don't know if at this point I would be able to like go back to like being a staff role. I mean, I'd love to, if it was the right place, but I think I'd find it really hard because I'm so accustomed to just like, I know like working in my shorts and stuff. <laughs> I know, right? And I love the um wide variety of creative topics that you rattled off. I mean, like yeah. gangster rapper in prison. So what are so you mentioned interviewing some of your favorite musicians? Um mm. c- can you share some of like your most memorable conversations or some of the most noteworthy people that you've interviewed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean, in terms of, first off, I guess in terms of the variety of the topics, for me, I always want to push myself. I want to prove that like I know I want people to 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 hopefully see that like I can write about anything and it sounds natural but in terms mm-hmm. of like musician um I, I mean earlier this year um I, I had a piece published which was an interview with Nas who um you know is pro- probably the greatest rapper of all time mm-hmm. and that was like um you know an incredible experience for me to do and just um I, it, it lasted like 70 minutes and it's just we just got on and it was just crazy speaking to someone down the mic who um you've grown up listening to I also um interviewed John Carpenter this year who is just like my favorite film director um but also I think just an incredible musician who's like horror scores I don't know those creepy simps the Halloween theme song Mm -hmm. like 
I grew up with all that stuff. So I, that was a big thing for me. Um, I did an interview with um, Robbie Krieger from The Doors, who's the guitar, uh, bass guitar, uh, sorry, the guitarist in The Doors. And he, um, he uh, is a hero of mine. So again, that was crazy for me to that do. Is. So, But I would say probably the one that means the most to me out of all the ones I've done um, is an interview with this. Um, and I'd implore everybody who's listening to check out his music, this guy called Ofri Greedo. And he, um, He's just an incredible rapper from from Watts in Los Angeles who um, literally like in one studio session, one 24 hour studio session, he will like uh, record 40 songs, which is just unheard of. And wow. every, every single one of them is like a classic. Like he and he doesn't write anything down. It all comes from his brain. And like, he's in prison um, on a 20 year sentence on a non-violent drug charge and which is just mm. crazy which i think speaks to a wider problem with the american justice system yeah. but he um yeah i spoke to him from prison and it was just like such a unique experience to speak to someone from prison but it just i don't know like i've kind of um without going into specifics kind of developed a connection with him and um i don't know he's like my favorite musician and i just felt like the piece i wrote um I don't know that's definitely the piece I I, I, I want to be kind of remembered for I think because it just it, it wasn't just like a, a long read about Ofra Greedo it, it sort of doubled as um, a piece really kind of illustrating how the justice system works differently mm -hmm. for, for for young black males. Wow that is so cool we'll have to um, I'll have to go back and read that one and definitely encourage everyone listening to do the same that sounds fascinating. Oh, um, and then how do you like, so how do you get connected with your resources? Um, I think, I think a lot of it's just about kind of, I mean, when you start out, it's like, you're not going to just be able to interview artists like that straight right. off the bat. You have to sort of build up, um, you know, build up a bit of, um, I guess a, a good reputation, but I think, um, the way I started off was like, I always wanted to like the underrated artists, the artists that like, put out incredible albums but they didn't find big audiences those were the people at first I really like wanted to focus on so some of my first pieces were like one of them was um a look at this guy he was called he's called Norman Whiteside and he um he's this soul singer from the 70s and all his tracks were um like um he was in prison on a 36 year bid for a crime he never committed wow. which is a crazy story and while he was in prison, Kanye West, Rick Ross, Freddie Gibbs, Frank Ocean, all these huge rappers and singers started like sampling his music. Um, so it, it was like he was in prison and yet this album, years after he made it, started to find the ears of all these rappers. So I did this piece um, looking at him and I, I just think sometimes doing those pieces where you can illuminate those figures who didn't get the credit they deserve are a great way of showing people that you can be... Um, you know you can be a good storyteller and then they can kind of lead you to sort of like step up and then like apply that storytelling I guess to kind of bigger artists but I think when I'm writing profiles it's like I don't want my profile to read like any other person's mm -hmm. profile um and then I know we mentioned this earlier but um a lot of times we talk to cybersecurity mm. and technology reporters um specifically I know you recently wrote a piece on um deep fake music and the rise of that can you talk to us a little bit about that yeah, I just I just feel um, I'm really fascinated by the idea of um, um, AI and technology becoming more and more lifelike and how that affects our, our, our definition of what we consider to be art. 
and um i kind of did this piece looking at um how like video game um people can take photographs and video games and, and i did this piece like it should that be considered photography and i think while i was researching that i thought um you know i started to think more and more about deep fake music and, and and how that was kind of an equivalent in a way um and i don't know i just kind of i i went into the wormhole of youtube and just found more and more of these um of these kind of like songs which sound just like eminem or kanye west but some guy some kid in his bedroom has just made this like model uh vocal model and it's you know not actually them and it just just fascinated me to to write from the perspective of these people because i think there's been a lot on deep fake but not from the perspective of the creators so i just saw this like huge community popping up on um on the internet and really mm. wanted to look at like should this be considered art like and i wanted to write it from more of a kind of i wanted it to sound scary sure because it is scary some of the impl implications but i didn't want it to be like this isn't art like because you know i feel like you can't um uninvent something um so i think it's important to like not write about it in a scaremongering way so i kind of wanted to do that and just look at how the rise of um you know these vocals which are just created by a kid in their bedroom um mm -hmm. are, um you know what what could that mean for the future of the music industry and i feel like i don't know one day i think it's very real realistic to expect um artists long after they're dead releasing brand new albums with brand new lyrics because their vo vocals have been you know recreated and sound completely lifelike so i mean it's, it's a weird future that we've mm -hmm. got ahead of us and I, I don't know i just hope the piece um you know i hope the people look back and that piece is was just at the start and was mm -hmm. able to just just about kind of um tap into these concepts just before they they, they went crazy yeah absolutely and these are i mean the articles that you're writing in this one in particular it's um very long form i mean you know, it's interesting to me how many different reporters, you know, they write breaking news stories or like long form features. How yeah. long does it take? I mean, you do so much research into this, these topics, yeah. right? And how long does it take typically from start to finish for something like this? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm trying to like, I mean, for, let's just say for the O for Greedo piece I mentioned before, like I put easily 50 to 60 hours. I read books, watched documentaries, listened to every song he'd ever recorded oh, wow. over and over and over. Um, and for me, um, and with a deep fake piece, like, I, you know, I spent hours and hours and hours, like just reading and reading and learning. And, and you know, I, I often will do interviews, which like, just background interviews that like I don't even use in the final mm -hmm. piece like just to, just to research something so I think it's really important to do that because in all honesty like um you know I want to write pieces that will stand up for 50 60 years like, I want people to read these pieces long after like mm -hmm. um, I'm gone and and they still stand up like the same way um you know you could read a piece by Lester Bangs now and it stands up and I think not that I'm comparing myself to him on any level but like that's what I want to aim for at, at the very least and it's mm -hmm. like I think if you don't put the research in if you don't really um go that extra mile um then I I just think that it's less likely that will be the case now I'm not so sure people necessarily like always appreciate the level of research that goes into it but like I'm not doing it for that like I just want to write pieces that 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 um that will last and 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 I just feel like if you put that research in mm -hmm you're going to find things that other writers won't find. And actually, I think the research period can be the most exciting and cool part of the entire 
entire process because I mean at the end of the day like what's cooler than sitting down and and listening to like loads of Nas songs and like trying yeah. to work out the kind of poetic um the poetic meaning of them like I mean come on like I'm getting paid to do that like maybe yeah. I'm not getting paid enough to do that but you know <laughs> like, I can't complain too much <laughs> no that's very unique and uh it's definitely yeah. a differentiator and it's like um and you know, you know as a journalist like you become a, an expert in each of these very creative topics that you've written about. And you can tell that in, in the style and the way that, yeah. you, that you write, which is really uh, cool. Thank you. That's really kind of you to say. I guess <laughs> what, I, what I really, um, <clears throat> what I'm really fascinated by is subcultures and things that are just outside the mainstream that people mm-hmm. aren't reporting on, but actually um, they're, they're really significant. So I've done pieces in the past, like um, looking at like, serial killer fandoms and how like Mm. if you go on the internet right now you can find ted bundy fan groups you can find jeffrey dahmer stands and all this crazy stuff and interviewed actual serial killer fandoms i did crazy um, did another piece where i i I spoke to professional demon summoners who for 300 dollars an hour they'll introduce you to ancient spirits Um, oh my god (laughs) and you know like and the pieces like the deep fake or the um or the video game photography pieces like I just I just want to like find those subcultures because other people aren't looking for them like and I think um I think that's a shame because you can actually find out a lot about society by what's bubbling just under the surface and that usually represents do you know what I mean like a wider trend so um yeah finding those stories and illuminating them as best as I can is definitely something I really enjoy doing is there anything interesting like that you're working on now um they could share right, right now um i'm working on a piece um looking it's, it's not so much like that but it is a long read and it's about this um british actor i don't you probably might have heard of him called peter cushing and he um was in like all these like legendary horror movies and like spent his life in this like really quite quaint seaside town um in um in kent which is a county in, in britain mm-hmm. so i'm looking all at how this like legendary horror actor just ended up in this small seaside town and mm-hmm. i've interviewed all these people that knew him while he was alive and yeah i'm really interested to to, to, to write that because i think horror in particular is something um i'm really fascinated by because i feel like horror movies aren't respected as an art form people mm-hmm. tend to look at them as kitsch and silly so um i'm always trying to like look at people who are do you know what I mean like like big um figures within the genre of horror and actually speak about them in really respectful terms like I had um a piece last year and I interviewed like the dude that plays Jason Voorhees in the Friday the 13th movies I also interviewed uh, for the same piece the guy who played Michael Myers in the original Halloween and um one of the actors not the original actor but one of the actors who played Leatherface and the idea behind that piece was when we watch these horror movies and we see you know jason stalking towards you you don't even think about that actor behind the mask Mm -mm. but actually that performance is pivotal to the movie being a success and actually is a very hard thing to do because it's claustrophobic you can barely breathe you have to communicate complex emotions without Mm -hmm. words so that piece um was very important to me and is an extension i guess of getting people to look at things maybe they 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 usually dismiss at a whim but getting them to like look at it at a deeper level at, at, from a different angle and actually think, um, you know, actually I never considered this before. Like, yeah, these, you know, these guys, this is an art form. Do you know what I mean? Because I think there's yeah. a lot of things that aren't considered art forms. Like, well, I mean, hip hop um, is the most dominant um, 
in my opinion, has been the most dominant and prolific um, music um, for, for a long time now, but for a long time, um, writers and journalists wrote about it like it was wrestling. They wrote mm-hmm. about it in a really superfluous, silly way. Um, and, you know, when I started out and I wanted to write about hip hop, my whole thing was like, I wanted to write about it with real respect and write about it from such a deep level. The same way you might read like people talking about like Bob Dylan, like he's mm-hmm. the second coming. Like, well, why aren't people writing about um, Ofri Greedo, Draco the Ruler in that way? So like, yeah, that, I mean, that that's, I guess, just an insight into kind of like what, what drives me. Like, I mean, they're the, they're the pieces that like I'm really trying to write. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And, you know, it's, there's so much that goes into the, the lyrics and the analysis of it and a yeah. lot of talent and art. You're right. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And then do you like tailor your stories to a particular audience by any chance or just, yeah. Um, so no, I mean, you're based in the UK and no people, you know, you write for both US and UK publications. Is there any way that mm. you tailor that audience or that structure? Yeah, I think every, every publication has a different audience. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you have to, I feel like, um, I feel like good writers um, should be really considering like who the unique audience is for each title. So like if I'm writing, um, let's say for Vice, um, you know, it's a bit quirky. It's a little bit silly. Um, so my piece, um, so my writing style has to, um, has to write in that kind of language a bit. It has to have some, some, some puns in there, some, some jokes. It has to be a bit lighter, but then if I'm writing for the financial times, then, I'm not saying it can't have jokes in, but it has to be really detailed. It has to be really articulate. It has to um, be really well, well researched um, and, and also quite direct because, um, you know, somebody who is a CEO of a major financial organization and is super busy doesn't necessarily have time to read a 5,000 word long read. So I know that if I'm writing for the FT, the word lengths are going to be smaller. So I have to say, have the same amount of detail but saying less words so it has to be like very precise if that makes any sense so I mm-hmm. think um I think you always have to consider um consider those things but I think um yeah I think fundamentally like um no matter the audience of a publication like if you are if you if you are able to like make people look at a piece of art in a different way or a fresh way then you know ultimately I think an audience is going to find that article eventually. And it's like, I don't know. I feel like I've written things in the past where maybe, um, you know, they haven't been as, as successful as other pieces, but I don't know. I just, I, I, I've got confidence that because of the detail that's been put in them, like eventually they'll find that audience. And mm-hmm. I guess it goes back to what I said before. Like, I think as journalists, you really need to look at it. Like you are capturing history. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really unique um, position to be in. So you want to capture that history really authentically and with, with real detail and with real respect. You don't want to get in the way of that history. And I think one of my issues with a lot of journalism is I think sometimes the writers always almost like make themselves the story opposed to like the subject. And um, I don't know, like I never want to do that. Like as much as I want to like root it in my voice and, um, have my reflections in there like I don't want to be I don't want to treat myself like I'm on par in any way with the subjects that I'm writing about I want to be able to like capture that history and um, have keep my distance a little bit because I think um, I don't know I feel like this era of like personal essays like I think so, some of it can be really um, powerful but I think some of it can um, also be a bit a bit pointless and I, mm-hmm. I just wonder how history will look back on 
people stepping in the way rather than letting the people from these scenes like their voices be the integral part mm-hmm. yeah. that's a very refreshing perspective I wrote that down you said capturing history with the respect and I think I think that that goes a long way you're right because a lot of times journalists just write here's the news or here's my thoughts on the news or like yeah, you yeah. know opinions on it but really getting that subject matter yeah. expert those resources those people telling their own stories and you're just kind of facilitating it I think yeah. that's a really cool perspective or they just don't treat their subjects with the respect they deserve like mm-hmm. it's like you know if I interview an 18 year old rapper like I'm I'm interviewing that 18 year old rapper like they're a historical figure I'm putting yeah. the same amount of research into that as I do Nas because one day they could be Nas one but two they represent something huge like like young like and I think that that can be one of the big issues like I feel like a lot of the the counterculture heroes or the youth icons aren't written about um aren't written about um with the respect they deserve unless they die um Mm. and Mm -hmm. and I don't know I just have a bit of a problem with that and I just think I I just think you've got to treat every everything with real respect and real detail because Mm -hmm. um you know there's to, to millions of young people the 18 year old rapper is their messiah so it's like yeah you know you you can't write in the way where it's like I'm not going to write with as much respect about this artist as I would some 70 year old white man who made loads of classic rock songs in the <laughs> 70s because at the end of the day like the, the former means more to more people than the latter currently so like why would you write in that way I don't mm-hmm. know maybe I'm going maybe I'm um talking rubbish but like I don't know I just think that's really important yeah, I think that's a really refreshing perspective too I think you know you're also writing and covering people and things and subjects that is not commonly covered I mean how many stories are there about that you know mm. that rock artist that everyone knows about you know in their 50s and 60s so yeah yeah definitely valuable um and then have have you noticed like an impact that COVID or the pandemic had on on journalism at all for you um yeah I mean it's been really difficult um because I think when you um when you're not just like regularly meeting people and mm. and and doing things like it can be hard to be inspired as a writer um you're just sort of trapped inside like and in in, in in that level of inspiration has to come purely from you I think I'm definitely the kind of person where just being on the train and somebody's wearing like an incredible dress or like an incredible outfit like even something like that could inspire me to write and to be uh, have more spring in my step so I found mm-hmm. it difficult on the on the motivation side like um like I've managed it but it has been harder than it was when I was like doing things every week I think some of the ways it's affected journalism editors have less budgets now like mm-hmm. so you have to be like as a freelancer you have to be um you have to make sure your pictures are really on point like you have to make sure that they really matter like you you can't just like think this is good and pitch it like it has to have a wider um significance so it's like yeah this music's cool but like how does it tap into the themes of today how does it tap into Mm -hmm. the isolation um the social divisions the um the angst that people feel um I think you just have to like really consider um more and more about like how things tap into the um the current climate because I think if you don't um I don't know editors are just a lot less likely to like I don't know like even like even reply like to Mm -hmm. your emails so it's like everything has to have that um have that kind of it has to almost like work on multiple levels whereas I think maybe there was a time before where it didn't as much 
um mm-hmm. maybe that's a good thing because it means the pieces have to be like a lot more concrete but yeah I've definitely noticed a change in that mm-hmm. regard. interesting and then just one more question before we wrap up but yeah. what are you interested in outside of you know your work and your reporting maybe something that listeners wouldn't know about you um that's a, that's a good question um like in all honesty like I'm playing like a lot of video games <laughs> okay they help me unwind so I've um I found like my old N64 from when I was a kid and oh, I've just nice. been like replaying all my old games and playing like Ocarina of Time and I just I would recommend anybody to do that because there's something quite warm and fuzzy about yeah. playing a into a cartridge and playing um I don't know the song of time on the ocarina as 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 you walk through Hyrule Field oh my gosh, like, I love that oh my god it's incredible but no um I read like a lot um um you know I like to go on long walks clear my head like mm-hmm. I um you know I like to mentor people um you know I would say outside of the journalism stuff that I've done I've, I've put in easily like 150 plus hours just directly into helping different different young writers and I think um and giving them advice just telling them how it works and Mm -hmm. trying to empower them to help find their own voice because like when I started out um nobody helped me like like it's crazy even being interviewed for the show because Mm -hmm. it means a lot but it's crazy because like I didn't get to this point with any assistance or help Mm -hmm. no mentors so um you know I want to I want to ensure that like I'm the antithesis to that and I'm always um, can be a resource and and can help people. I think sometimes journalism can be very competitive, but um, I think if you've got absolute faith in your own voice, then it doesn't matter that if you empower somebody else to find theirs at the end of the day, like um, I, my, my own voice and the way I perceive things, no one else in the world can do, can do that. We're all individuals, right? Like we've all got our, so I think, I just think that's a very important thing to to to, to think because the UK um, the UK scene in particular it, it can be very tribal and very like competitive and mm. I, I think I'm now just at a point where it's like I'm trying to switch out from that and just like um, and just look at it like my bylines like aren't um, the the biggest indicator of success the biggest indicator of success to me is the amount of people I can help um, Mm -hmm. find their voice and 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 earn money and and do things and I think there's a real um, lack of of writers from working class backgrounds or Mm -hmm. non-white backgrounds or whatever so I'm trying to do everything I can to 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 help those people Well, I just love, I love hearing um, how passionate you are and creative and it really comes through the way that you talk about your, your job and, you know, your experiences and everything that you're covering. It's really refreshing to hear um, and your, your creative vibes as well. I love it. Uh, thank you. That's really lovely of you to say. Absolutely. Well, Thomas, it's been great having you on the podcast and definitely want to go back and read some of these stories that you mentioned. Um, but for everybody listen, please go check out Thomas's stories and uh, follow him on social media. And thanks everyone for listening. This has been Inside the Media Minds with Christine Blake. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Inside the Media Minds. To learn more about our podcast and hear all of our episodes, please visit us at w2com.com slash podcast and follow us on Twitter at Media Mind Show. And you can subscribe anywhere podcasts are found.